let's play a game. Hi guys, real quick before I start the main show, I'd like to just give a short disclaimer here. Um, when I recorded this episode, it was quite some time ago, but um, I was very much under the weather. I think that's apparent when you hear my voice. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't realize just how bad that came across until I was reviewing it a moment ago, and it didn't sound so great, so I apologize for that. There's also an instance in which apparently I drop the microphone and or run into it or something, uh, and that's pretty jarring, so I apologize to your ears in advance for when that happens and just the general sniffles and stuff that occur throughout the episode. Uh, I will try and edit as many as I can out. Unfortunately, there are just so many, I'm sure that I won't be able to get them all. Um, also... Uh, the episode's a little short, so I'm not sure exactly what yet, but I believe I'm going to go ahead and record an additional little bit about possibly another game, or maybe just some more tips about collecting or something. You guys really came forward and uh, let me know that you really enjoyed that episode a lot. I really appreciate all the feedback I got from all you guys. It really was the biggest episode for me yet, so that's something I will definitely delve into in the future. But anyway, I did want to add something at the end of this episode to increase its length because the main episode... Uh, would have been only, you know, 23, 24 minutes long otherwise. So we're going to try and possibly sneak something else in. Again, not 100% sure what that will be. But anyway, uh, definitely listen around at the end of the show. Uh, after I say, you know, we'll see you next time, as I normally do, I'm going to try and add a little something extra for you guys. Okay, on to the show. Hello again and welcome to yet another edition of Is It Worth It? Now, if this is the first time that you've listened to the show, basically, it's a podcast where I play a game, typically rare and valuable, that I own myself, and then I tell you guys whether or not I think it's worth owning at its current price. Hi, my name is Blaine J, and today we're going to be talking about Guardian Heroes for the Sega Saturn. Now, I'm really excited to talk about this game. This is actually one of those games that I played when I was, uh, you know, 15 or 16. I've just never, ever been able to find it since then. I had it built up in my head as being this just tremendously amazing game, and I was really, really worried that uh, when I went to replay it, I was going to be, you know, severely disappointed because, uh, you know, oftentimes when you go back to these things that, you know, you really liked as a kid, it, it turns out, you know, uh, they didn't quite hold up as well in real life as it did in your mind. I was actually really pleasantly surprised about this. Now, the reason I have this game is because of, uh, as, as you may have listened to my last podcast, uh, the Retro Gamer Society has a forums that was up, and one of the guys on the forums uh, posted a picture of a mint-conditioned Guardian Heroes, and he said, Hey guys, wanting to trade this, looking to um, trade for a copy of Zero the Kamikaze Squirrel for the Super Nintendo. It just so happened I had a copy of Zero the Kamikaze Squirrel in box without the manual, but still a very nice looking box. 
And I was like, well, I really, really want Guardian Heroes. I've been wanting it for fucking ever, and I really, really hate Zero the Kamikaze Squirrel, but I know that Zero Box was probably worth about $200, $250, and I didn't think Guardian Heroes was going to be worth anywhere close to that, you know? Turns out Guardian Heroes is worth about $200 now. Uh, I had no idea. I looked on eBay, all the ones that I saw were around that price range, and I thought, you know what, this is a game I paid, I paid like $4 for uh, Zero, few years ago and I bought it because I knew it was rare and uh, it's just been sitting on a shelf I've tried to play it twice I think both times I was like Ugh, you know it's a really just shoddy platformer so definitely not worth it and won't even uh, make an episode because it's just one of those games it's like high dollar because of its rarity and uh, I, I guess graphically it looked pretty good but it's just a terrible game Whereas I thought Guardian Heroes was a good game, in my memory it was very, very good, and it turns out it was. Anyway, I ended up trading this collector, uh, and his name is uh, Theo, I think, or something. Uh, apparently he's a very well-known collector from the uh, California area, and I just want to give him a shout-out. He's probably not at all um, listening, and I probably, if, if he did hear it, he'd be like, Oh my god, you butchered my fucking name. But anyway, I just I just really want to thank him because uh, he he sent it very quickly. We, uh, we both took pictures of the boxes, and uh, because it was a higher dollar item, you know, we made sure that the other uh, felt comfortable about sending something worth hundreds of dollars in the mail to a complete stranger. You know, just based on hey, you know, and he and he was new to the Texas forums uh, on the Retro Gamer Society, so I was like, okay. This could be one of those scam and burn type of guys, but I checked him out and he seemed legit. So, and he was, and I got my copy and I played it and uh, I'll tell you all about that in a minute. First, I'll tell you what this game is. Guardian Heroes is a 2D side-scrolling beat-em-up game and it's, it's kind of like Final Fight or Golden Axe but it's got RPG elements where uh, you can level up, you know, your, your uh, intelligence or your mentality or uh, your agility, strength, things like this. Uh, after each, you know, you gain levels as you get uh, experience through killing enemies, and then at the end of each stage, you're able to use that to uh, level various things up. And depending on what character you play as, you're going to want to level certain things in a certain direction. Um, it, it was developed by Treasure, and if, if you don't know who Treasure is, then, uh, well, <laughs> I'm sorry for you. You probably shouldn't be listening to this uh, cast. Treasure uh, is just that. They're a treasure. Virtually everything that they made is just gold. Just gold. Um, they made Gunstar Heroes and Dynamite Heady and all these just games that looked uh, and played so much better than all the other games uh on the system for the most part and yeah we we could really use a treasure right now i don't know what they're doing uh i know they released a a sequel to guardian heroes uh in 2004 i think and uh, that was just a terrible terrible game anyways uh this game if you've ever played uh dungeons and dragons in the arcade this game is similar in that uh when you get to the end of a uh, a stage you'll have these different choices it'll say you know hey do you want to go to the forest or do you want to go to the village or do you want to go to the castle and all these different things depending on which way you go it branches in different directions and you actually get a completely different game so the replay value on this game is huge just huge and you can also kill civilians in the game and it lowers a karma meter which will also affect your ending a little bit so you know 
you probably shouldn't kill civilians, except you're probably going to want to kill at least one of each, and I'll tell you why in a bit. This is basically just like a great, great classic beat-em-up game. And uh, like most beat-em-ups, you're able to play, uh, you know, several different characters on your playthrough. Um, probably the the known character, the one that would be the hero of this quest, is named uh, Han, Samuel Han. And he's like the big, slow, uh, powerful guy that, you know, has this giant sword and uh, has like really powerful attacks and like has uh, the furthest reach of all the characters as well. The second character is uh, Randy M. Green. And he's basically your young magician type of guy. Um, he, he has magic, which is really cool. Um, Helen also has magic, but he's only able to cast one spell, and that's Fireball. Actually, each character has some form of magic. Han has the weakest magic. Uh, Randy has uh, four different magic spells. He can cast the Fireballs, which every, every character, I believe, can cast. Although, instead of just shooting one, I think he throws four. Uh, he can shoot lightning all around him these giant pools of ice, and then this big heat ray. Um, but he, he really is kind of a weak guy. He gets beat up easily. He also actually has a, uh, a familiar, this little dude named Nandau, who uh, assists him, and he runs around and helps you do attacks and stuff. It's pretty cool. Now, my favorite character is uh, Genjaro Obushi, and he's uh, the fastest character by far. And he's got just a multitude of attacks, whereas a lot of other characters, are, their attacks are pretty simplistic. Genjaru has uh, attacks in the air and dashing attacks. He can throw ninja stars, all this cool shit, and he's just so quick. And he also has ridiculously good magic. Um, he has lightning and thunder attacks. He can summon lightning all around him. He can shoot a like wave of lightning in front of him that you can get uh, combos into the hundreds with. It's really slick. Uh, gosh, those are really the only two I use. He can throw fireballs, again, sing singleton fireballs. And then he has a, uh, this dash attack where he disappears on the screen and when, then, like, he turns into, like, a bolt of lightning and flies across the screen and everything that's in his wake gets hit pretty hard. It's really not very useful, though, and, uh, actually takes up a lot of mana, so not something I really use a lot. I, I pretty much stick with the, uh, the lightning wave attack. It's uh, my favorite one of his. his uh, and he he levels up really quickly because he's able to uh, combo and such. So I, I really like him a lot. And uh, my least favorite character that you can starting play as is Nicole Neal. She's kind of goofy. She's got this little smiley face emblem on her amulet. And um, most of her magic attacks incorporate this smiley face thing. And she's the only one in the game that can use healing magic, but her attacks are so weak. And she has a barrier ability where she uh, summons like a wall around her, basically. And they're forced away from her, but it, it doesn't really do anything. It, it can deal damage, but usually doesn't. Um, and she can also drop smiley faces from the sky. And when you cast a spell, it'll do one or two things. It'll either... Uh, cast one big smiley face in the center screen, or it'll cast a whole bunch of little ones all over the screen, which is a little better, but it's still kind of garbage. And then there's Serena Corsair, and she's only playable if you play through the game in a certain path, 
and uh, beat the game on uh, easy or hard mode, uh, or not easy, um, hard or or normal mode, excuse me. Um, and she's really good. She's probably the best character in the game. Uh, it could be argued Dinjaro's also very, very good. So, um, and like I said, he's my favorite. But she's a knight, and she appears in the game uh, regardless if you've unlocked her. She'll fight alongside you on the first level and uh, some other subsequent levels depending on the path you take. And she's really fast, and uh, most of her magic spells revolve around cold and ice. And she can do uh, this one spell called Angel Breath, which causes like this big, almost umbrella field of ice particles around her. And it protects her from physical attacks and simultaneously freezes anything close to her. And she also has another one that's really cool called uh, Valkyrie Javelin, which is... Uh, Similar to Randy's Super Magic Fire Blaster, but it freezes them instead of burning them. So, really cool stuff. Uh, as I said, she only will join you in story mode if you uh, if you beat it, you know, a certain way. There's another character that you can unlock. Well, it's really not a character. Uh, if you go down a certain path and beat it on normal, you can also unlock Han using an undead sword, the undead hero's sword. So. Uh, it actually increases his stats quite a bit if he has the, uh, the Sword of the Undead Hero. So that's another thing that you can play through and get and then have at your disposal for your next playthrough. There is the Undead Hero that actually fights alongside you. He's not playable in uh, the main game. But he, uh, and, and the storyline is kind of, depending on how you play it, it kind of changes, so it's hard to explain the story. But the the basic uh, idea of the beginning of the story is there's this sword that was found in the graveyard by these group of heroes I just named and uh, it apparently is being sought after by the bad guys you know it belonged to this undead well it belonged to a hero from long ago that gave up his life uh, serving his country and uh, when you find it it summons him back to life and he fights alongside you uh, throughout the game and he doesn't take any damage at all so that's cool and you can uh, actually direct him on what to do kind of like you can tell him um, if you want him to just follow you uh, wait where he's where he's at he'll just stand in place uh, you can command him to attack of course defend and uh, berserk apparently uh, this is also on the Xbox as a downloadable Serena reveals that the undead hero was a brave warrior who uh, protected her family in that version, although I'm pretty sure she does that in the Saturn version as well. Anyway, there's a Canon G. Gray, he's the leader of the kingdom, and uh, Canon is unparalleled spellcaster, and he also possesses flight and the ability to generate his own magic. He's a uh, Really ridiculously tough. He's like a overweight Gandalf-looking motherfucker. And yeah, when you do run up against him in-game, he's damn near impossible to beat. He'll like float well out of your reach above you and shoot lightning bolts down at you and shit. And he never runs out of magic because he just regenerates it. Another antagonist is uh, Falger Reinhardt, the prince of the puppet kingdom. And of uh, the Black Knights. Um, I say puppet kingdom. Basically what happened is this poor guy, uh, he's led to believe that he's the prince and that his dad is the king uh, because the true king and the royal family was all usurped by, uh, by, by canon and uh, replaced hundreds of years ago. Canon's like, I don't know if he's immortal or just very old, but he replaced them all with uh, fake ones and they've kind of been uh, serving 
his needs for however many millennia. The prince is unaware that he's not actually a prince. Um, and depending on different branches, you'll end up fighting against him sometimes, and sometimes they'll end up fighting with you. He's a really badass knight, uh, all decked out in black armor, and he carries two katanas, or a wakasashi and a katana, and yeah, he's just really cool looking. I wish he was a playable character in the main game, but he's not, unfortunately. Um, there's Katrina, the head of the Royal Knights Red Group. Katrina's um, trying to prove herself to be Serena's superior, and she has a romantic interest in Prince Valgar. These characters are important in the story mode, and they're also there's a verse mode in the game that I'll get to. Really cool. Uh, all these characters also are playable in that. Um, there's a guy named Gash Deadeye, the commander of the Blue Knights, and he used to be a friendly rival of Han, who is also a member of the Blue Knights. Um, but now that the Guardian heroes are wanted by canon, Gash is forced to fight his uh, former friend Han. And um, in verse mode, Gash functions just like Han, and uh, Katrina functions exactly as Serena did. Uh, Zerpaya, a maniac who performs special missions for the royal family. Zer is only important in one plot arc, uh, where he kills Valgar and absorbs his power and becomes Super Zer. Uh, Super Zer takes damage from healing magic in verse mode. Uh, Zer, who is incapable of blocking or crouching, can throw darts and run away from opponents. As Super Zer, in addition to his previous moveset, he can block as well as gaining a larger moveset, including World Conquest Cannon, and he also gets uh, the ability to regenerate health over time. Macho is the leader of the Muscleheads, a group of physically strong bandits. He mistakes the Undead Warrior as a golem of priceless value and is willing to use force to retrieve it. He is an opponent of Cannon and helps his shelter Lucia in one of the story marks. Okay, apparently this, I'm reading this off of Wikipedia, which is, um, Probably blatantly obvious and not very good radio, but I didn't want to miss any of the main characters. This article goes on to tell you basically every little character in the game, of which there are just a ton. And um, I'm not going to list off all these characters, but what's cool about all these characters and what will make you want to replay the game to see all the other endings isn't just the story itself because like you know that's pretty cool that's almost good enough you can beat this game in like 45 minutes you know but there's just not really countless i'm not sure how many different arcs there are but there are a ton of different arcs that you can go through in this game and depending on the way you go you'll meet different enemies and when you kill these enemies including the civilians i've mentioned before like you'll see like a little boy running around or like some farmer with a rake or just some nonsense like that if you kill them yeah, it lowers your karma, but it also unlocks them in verse mode, which is really cool. Verse mode is uh, it's kind of like a Street Fighter-esque type clone, you know? Um, and you can set it up however you want as far as uh, time goes and stuff like that. And it's just one of the coolest things ever in a video game of this nature because as you're going through the game you're unlocking all these you know the game's already badass and if you've got friends with you you know this is a multiplayer game um they're playing alongside you unlocking stuff with you and then you unlock some new characters in verse mode and you have it out in a battle 
You can fight uh, Randy's Nandow, the little uh, rabbit-looking dude, against like some giant golem. Or you can fight uh, as a farmer with a rake against, you know, uh, a little boy. Or uh, again, like just some towering giant or cannon, the magician, or something where it's just like completely one-sided. And then if you do manage to somehow pull it out with, you know, Farmer Bob or whatever, it's just epic. You know, you're just. Uh, I remember these just crazy battles as a kid. You know, we would all go to the game store and uh, try and unlock these little characters and stuff throughout and play different modes just to be able to uh, to fight as a new character in the verse mode. And it's just head and shoulders above any other fighting game of this genre. Um, it, it does, uh, when I said it, I, did, I failed to mention, when I said it fights like Final Fight and Gold Max, it does, uh, except that instead of being able to like walk diagonally into the forefront or the background like you can on those games, uh, you actually jump between three different planes. There's the back, the middle, and the front, and you press uh, one of the upper two buttons, and it'll uh, jump you in between those planes so you can fight different enemies or dodge attacks that are cast along one plane and certain magic attacks will hit all three or whatever like that so i did fail to mention that but um man this game is great you know i ever since i got it uh i've been playing it just about non-stop the the graphics are gorgeous the color that the saturn was able to do as opposed to uh the playstation of uh, which was its main competitor at the time is it's just mind-boggling you know it makes you wonder why the saturn didn't do better than it did i mean obviously it's because the saturn couldn't handle the 3d capabilities like the um like the playstation could or even the n64 had just better ability to handle you know 3d but for 2d games the saturn was such a powerhouse and this is one of those games that is just jaw-droppingly beautiful and has aged wonderfully everything in it just looks amazing it's like you're playing cartoons and apparently this game is on xbox live guys so if you've got an xbox you have no excuse not to buy it you know like i said it's worth a couple hundred dollars for the saturn if you're a collector, I think that you need to try and get this game in your collection. It is one of my all-time favorite games. I can't believe I got it. Wow, just what a great game. This is one that I will probably play every few months just to play through again, to maybe try and unlock one of the uh, other characters for verse mode, or maybe I'll get some friends together one day and we'll all have beers and, and play it and uh, try and unlock some guys and have a blast doing it, I'm sure. I mean, totally worth all the money. Uh, maybe not all the money, but definitely worth $200, um, which I don't say often. Games usually, when they reach this, this kind of money, I'm like, nah, it's, it's not worth that picking, you know. But, man, yes, I would pay $200 for this game. Anyway, uh, that is about it. That's about all I have to say about the game. Uh, I mean, I could break down each story mode for you or something. That doesn't sound like it's going to be, you know, any kind of good radio, so it's not really something you're going to want to listen to. I will real quick say, you know, uh... Thanks to uh, Brent of the RPG Show, uh, we exchanged 
uh, Christmas gifts this year. I sent him a few uh, games and some baby clothes and stuff I had laying around because he, you know, he just had his daughter. And uh, he sent to me a uh, T-shirt with the original Castlevania art from uh, the very first Castlevania on the Nintendo uh, printed on the front. And it's a gray shirt and it's fucking awesome. I'm going to be, I, I told him I was going to be buried in it. I probably won't actually be buried in it, but I definitely love the shirt. I'm going to be sporting it quite a bit. And uh, I really appreciate him giving me that. Uh, and definitely check out his show. I should be on his show for the Paladin's Quest episode. Uh, it, it will probably air before this airs, unfortunately. So by the time you hear this, you may be like, well, why are you even talking about it? That came out a month ago. But that's uh, when you're doing a monthly show, that's the type of thing that happens is you end up talking about stuff that, you know, happened a while back. And that's just an unfortunate whatever. Anyway, um, thank you, everyone that writes, uh, especially uh, my favorite fan, uh, Mr. James. He's always active on Twitter uh, for both my show, the RPG show, Derek and Don's show. Uh, just, just a great fan uh, and a great all-around guy, I think. Just really, really, really does a lot to lift all our spirits. So uh, thanks for listening, dude. And all the rest of you that have sent me uh, messages and stuff, thank you as well. Um, thanks, Derek and Don, uh, for letting me do this. As always, you can contact me at Simon Belmont, that's Simon with an E, at Outlook.com, or on Twitter, at RetroKel, that's K-H-E-L. And um, yeah, Sorry for babbling on about this game like a schoolgirl, but man, I love this game. Uh, we'll see you next time, guys. Hi, guys. As promised, I wanted to talk just a little bit about another game to add some length to the show. Now, the idea behind this is that there are a lot of games that are worth quite a bit of money that don't really warrant talking about very much. Uh, it, it's not necessarily because they're a bad game. It, it could just be a game that, you know, is quite rare, but doesn't have a lot of depth. So there's really not a whole lot to say about said game. And games of that nature, like, say, uh, Ninja Gaiden or Final Fight in the past, I have, you know, spoke on all the games of the series individually, uh, and that lengthened it a bit. Um, unfortunately, Guardian Heroes only has one sequel, and it's not rare at all. You can buy this box complete right now for about 10 bucks on Amazon, and um, I would recommend not doing that. I don't know what happened in between, uh, you know, Guardian Heroes 1 and 2 in, I believe, 2004, that changed so much to where they just lost sight of the original game to an extent that they released the pile of garbage that is Guardian Heroes 2. Um, if you're a collector like me and you love the game a whole lot, yeah, go ahead and pick it up. It's only 10 bucks box complete. You could probably find it next to nothing otherwise. But the game I do want to discuss that is actually worth quite a bit that is similar to, um, excuse me, that is similar to uh, Guardian Heroes and the like in that it is also a classic style beat-em-up, um, unfortunately, min minus the RPG elements, is Ninja Warriors for the SNES. This is a game I've owned for a long time and I personally love. Um, I, I picked my copy up again. I, I got it for like two or three bucks, but, you know, we're talking ten years ago. Back then it was worth $20. Now it's worth a little bit more than that. Um... But it doesn't really warrant a whole show. You can pretty much sum this game up as a Final Fight clone, but 
instead of playing as, you know, humanoid characters, you play as these three robot ninjas. Now, they are basically the exact same, you might say, as the Final Fight characters in that you've got your big Hagar-like character, Robot, and I'm not sure of the names of these guys. I guess I could spend time and look all that up, but I'm just playing this from memory, guys. Um, you got a big blue um, robot that's slow and powerful, much like Hagar. Um, you've got a medium-sized uh, robot that's uh, male. These are male and or female appearing. And uh, he's green, I believe, and he has, like, uh, knives on the elbows of his arms, and he's able to do some really cool attacks and stuff where he'll uh, spin those knives real fast and so on. And he's probably my favorite character. He, he's like the Cody character in the Final Fight series. And then you have basically a clone of Guy in the only female character. And again, not really female because she's a robot, but she's female appearing. And she's very quick and weak. Now, when I say this is a Final Fight clone, I mean, if you were to tell me that this game was Final Fight Robots, I would absolutely believe you because it plays almost exactly like Final Fight. Each character has a set of moves, you know, a jump kick, uh, a couple of throws, um, your standard attack, and then a special move that depletes a little bit of your health. And um, the only difference between Final Fight and this is when you die, you don't just fall to the ground and blink a few times and then another one falls from the sky from who knows where. And this one you blow up and then something falls from the sky from who knows where. So pretty neat animation you get there. Um, a big difference between this and Final Fight is whereas Final Fight is like very difficult, Ninja Warriors is exceedingly difficult. Uh, I've played this game numerous, numerous times over the years. This is one of those games that if I'm, I've got the uh, Super Nintendo plugged in as I do right now. Um, sometimes I turn behind me, I look on my shelf, you know, I've got maybe a couple hundred Super Nintendo games, and I think, what can I play for five minutes, ten minutes, just, you know, in between whatever it is else I might be doing, just as a little break. And, uh, this is one of those games that I'll pop in, and within ten, twenty minutes, I'm dead. And, uh, it serves, it served its purpose of entertaining me for that short bit of time. Um, if you're, like really into this genre, maybe you could sit there all day and play it. I'm not that guy. Uh, one of these days I might bust out a Game Genie on this thing just to see the endings and or watch a uh, YouTube video. There is, I'm sure, a storyline. Um, I'm unaware of what it could possibly be. You're fighting as fucking robots, and that's awesome. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else to tell you. It's a uh, Capcom game, I want to say. I'm almost positive because, I mean, it's, it is that close to Final Fight. It almost has to be. Uh, the music is phenomenal. Um, on to price. Now, this is a game that can be found on the Turbo Graphics, I believe, as well as the Super Nintendo. I am told, or have been told, that the Turbo Graphics version is also very good, but not nearly like the one for the Super Nintendo. They had to revamp it completely when they brought it to the SNES, and... I don't know. I the the way it looks and plays on the SNES, um, or was it the Sega CD? It was one of those. Uh, maybe it only came out in Japan on the Sega CD. Now that I'm thinking about, it, I think that might be it. But regardless, um, I looked at screenshots and I watched a video of it, and uh, it looked like a completely different game. It wasn't nearly as pretty. Uh, the version on the Super Nintendo is just gorgeous. I mean, 
just gorgeous. It's in the same vein as like Alien vs. Predator, Final Fight, all these type of beat-em-ups that uh, you knew a love in the arcade. It plays exactly like those. Uh, X-Men is another fine example. Even the Simpsons arcade game and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles kind of play like this. Um, great, great little game, but is it worth the amount of money that it's worth on the Super Nintendo? Well... No, it's not. Uh, this game goes to, from $70 to $100 right now, and that's a ridiculous price to pay for a game. You're only, you know, unless you're crazy, going to play, you know, 10 or 15 minutes at a time every few months or whatever. Uh, it's a great fucking game. If you're wealthy, sure, go out and buy it. If you find it for cheap, definitely get it. Play it a few times. If you're not a collector, flip the, you know, fucking thing and buy something you actually want um definitely a good game if you've got mame uh or you know some kind of emulator on your computer check it out there um especially if you're a fan of the beat-em-up genre but uh this isn't something no that i would seek out uh to to get immediately for the super nintendo there are plenty of other much cheaper equally as good games so that's about it for that um just real quick, though, I do want to mention, uh, I constantly forget to tell you guys what game it is that I'll be playing next, and um, this next month I was uh, talking with Brent after having uh, appeared on his show, uh, and we decided that we would bring uh, Brent and Nick both on my show, and we would discuss a game, and I left it, it kind of in their hands as to what we were going to be playing next. Um, gave them kind of an outlook of what games it was I owned that were within the price range and so on and so forth. And um, we've decided that we're going to be playing the Space Adventure Cobra for the Sega CD. Um, if you haven't played this game or heard of this game, I'm, I'm not going to be surprised at all. This is one of the more uh, rare games in my collection. It is not well known at all. It's not well represented in Let's Plays or anything like that. Um, it is apparently a fairly uh, popular anime outside of the United States. Uh, I really don't know a lot about it right now. I'm going to research that. I've only played this a little bit um, in the past. Uh, it plays a lot like um, Snatcher or any other point-and-click games from that era, but um, not quite the same. Anyway, we'll get into that in-depth next month with the guys from the RPG show, and uh, I hope that you can join us for that. Anyway, I hope that lengthened the amount of time that uh, I was able to spend with you guys this month. I, I, I don't like jipping you guys. I like to give you guys close as I can to an hour. Hopefully this added another you know 10 or 15 minutes at least. Um, I just want to thank you all again for listening and giving me all the positive feedback on the last episode. That was really great, guys. And, uh, we'll see you next time.